welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen, to, well, it's not the football Patriots anymore, Mo. It's the road to 26. And let me tell you this. Mo came up with this name change, by the way, everybody, uh, because we thought, you know what? Football Patriots was great, but there's really one goal for U.S. soccer. And, well, the way they've been looking, Mo, I think it's there's a good chance the road to 26 is very, very plausible. Obviously, I mean, we're hoping that they make it to at least World Cup 2022, but for for them to be on the the home field for 2026 well we're we're just going to hope for the best there so mo obviously uh a lot of great things happened for us soccer this week uh stuff we weren't too sure was going to happen i mean we were all hope we were very hopeful it was going to happen um and it ended up did happening um but we'll get into that a little bit later on in the episode uh, I know you did an interview last week and, uh, I'm sure our viewers would love to know who your interview was with and what it was about. Yeah. Well, I'm just happy. First of all, I'm just happy to be American today, man. That's all. That's all <laughs> really American. So, um, it's been a great week for us soccer and I can't wait to talk about it later. It's been, but- it's been more than just a great week. It's been a phenomenal week for us soccer bigger than i think it's ever been before for that's not the goal it's one step it's one step to the goal but it's not the goal i it's not the goal but if it doesn't just get you a little bit fired up i don't know what does we're building out the back now we're doing what greg likes to do like we're in that stage of where we i think this program could get to we're building out the back now that's that it's insane the attack that we're in to put it it's we're building out the back and like it's ironic because the first play of the game was a failed. Oh, game. Uh, oh that's. But let's look. We'll talk about that later. Anyways, <laughs> uh, I did an interview with uh, a, a guy named Will Johnson, who was a former MLS pool goalkeeper uh, back in 2005. And, you know, I met Will on Instagram on a, you know, through a post that was about Freddie Adu, who oh, I. Freddie, Freddie, Freddie Adu. I, I'm a huge fan. I'm mesmerized by his story. And, you know, I, we just clicked. I, I, he asked me to direct message if I had any more questions. And we talked for really three days straight. And I was like, man, when I get this pot up, I have to get you on. And so we interviewed, I interviewed him. You know, I had already talked, asked him the questions I really wanted to know prior, but, you know, it was more about him. And we talked a little bit about Freddie, but, you know, more as like, what the MLS is right now versus what it was and sure. you know the path it's going to be on the path that it's on right now. And, you know, the U S soccer team, I think that 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 was recorded before Sunday's game. So. Yeah. I'm sure his reaction now would, I, I'm sure his reaction during the interview was great, but I'm sure his reaction now post. calf He messaged me right afterwards and quote, here's the quote. Ready? Fuck. Yeah. USA. <laughs> and, quote. and that's 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 how i feel right now man that's how i feel so um yeah the interview with will was awesome i really want to get more people on uh you know just to give the people who are listening a a deeper in on what yeah. exactly happens in u.s soccer i think uh and like what it is i, I want to f- try to find a referee because like, i can sit here and talk about it 
Right. I'm, I'll talk about it already so much, but I want to yeah. find someone else that, you know, I can kind of bounce ideas off of and talk more about it with. So hopefully we can do that next. But um, yeah, the interview with Will was pretty cool. Your yeah. Name's- yeah, it is my name. So obviously it was cool because it's a Will. Um, <laughs> talking a little bit before we get into the interview about U.S. soccer, um, the Medford Messi. I know you hate that nickname for him, but sure enough, when they played their friendly uh, after after their win, Medford Messi comes out of – I mean, we weren't all surprised by this at all. I mean, Stop calling him that. Stop calling him that. Well, that's you, what, know, that's... You, you know what you're saying, bro. No, stop that. That is what <laughs> he's, they, he's, that. he's not. He's not the Medford Messi. I'm, I'm not going to – He's the, he's the Medford Maestro, okay. And and I like that nickname better. The Medford Messi is not being don't. It's I just I just hate the name. I just hate it. Like, why are you comparing him to Lionel Messi? Like, just I hate it. I hate it. We'll we'll get into that a little bit later. But uh, let's take a listen to the interview you did with Will Johnson right now. Uh, and especially, I'm excited to hear uh, his his uh, reaction and his story with Freddie Adu. Because the story, like you said, it's just incredible. So with that, let's take a listen to the interview. All right. So welcome, everybody. Thank you for joining us again. And uh, our guest today is former MLS pool goalkeeper. When did you say you were in a goal, pool goalkeeper, Will? Uh, 2004 was my first year. 2004? Yeah, 2004, 2005. So... Yes. So Will Johnson here. Uh, thanks again for agreeing to do this. I really appreciate you uh, taking the time. Uh, I, you know, I want to get into you as a pool keeper, pool goalkeeper, like I mentioned, but I want to talk about something else first. You're huge into golf now. Huge. Huge. How did yeah. you go from being a goalkeeper to playing golf? Um, a lot of the guys I played soccer with got into it uh, when they were done um, playing just staying competitive. It's not as hard on your body. And it's just out being with your boys for, you know, four or five hours, talking trash, playing for a little money, that kind of stuff. But uh, yeah, when I was done with soccer, man, I was playing probably three, four times a week. It was, uh, it was pretty addicting and kind of, yeah, just fell in love with it and been playing for like five, six years now, all the time. So obviously the hand-eye coordination has a lot to do with it, but did you find like developing your swing was, you know, harder or easier because you're a former athlete? Um, I think all former athletes think they can golf or want to get into it, and they do. And, um, yeah, it was it came pretty natural when I, – I regret it now, but when I was playing in D.C., you got a membership at uh, – it was congressional, and I was living with my, um, my dad's cousin who was, like, I think in his 50s and retired. He, he was a tech guy. And we would play all the time and I'd keep score by like how many balls I lost. And like, that's how it was. And like, just trying to crush the ball. And then I was 20 then, 21 then. And I uh, didn't play golf again until I was almost 30. And just looking back, regretting, you know, how cool, how cool it could have been playing there. But uh, yeah, it was, it's, it's, I've got the bug now. They say, should have taken up drugs. It's less addicting and cheaper (laughs) than, uh, than golfing. So, so for me personally, I've always had this vendetta against golf because I just am bad at anything with stick sports. I was a soccer player, so like 
you know, I was good with, I was better with my feet than I was with an exterior thing is, is golfing. And I know it's all mental, but like, what's definitely the hardest part about golfing in comparison to like other sports? Uh, with golfing, you could lose it really quick. Like one day you could be playing amazing, driving the ball, putting, chipping, all that stuff. And then the next day it's like, you've never played before and you're like, and you don't know what you're doing wrong. And mm-hmm. that's, that was always, or that is the most frustrating thing for me is one day I'm playing amazing. And then the next, it's like, I can't chip the ball today. Like, it, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's ridiculous, but yeah, I, I still go, I golf with a lot of players and former players still a lot. I'm in uh, South Orange County. So I still am in contact with a lot of the galaxy guys and we play and yeah, it's, uh, it's fun. And I, uh, the thing about golf though is people get intimidated if they haven't played, but nobody's really that good. Like, <laughs> like as long as you're, you play fast and have some fun, like that's all that matters. It's just, you know, the camaraderie. I'm just afraid of shanking it and being the guy that holds everybody back. So, I mean, I mean, yeah, well, I'm honestly bad at mini golf too. So that's, it's not a good start for me. Maybe start there and then, uh, yeah, graduate up to the bit, driving ranges or whatever. Do they have a top golf out there where you are? Yeah. You know they do is? have top golf. Get out there, do that. That's fun too, man. I, I love that. I went there once and I was the second worst player on the scoreboard. So I wasn't the worst, but hey, you, know you weren't the worst. So. Yeah. And <laughs> it's all that matters. Uh, one more question about golf because you mentioned it mm-hmm. and then we'll transition into, you know, your former career. But who, who's the worst golf player you've played with that's a former player a former soccer player and who's the best golf player you played with oh um the worst um i don't know they're all pretty good like that's what's kind of crazy is these they're athletic you know these guys are athletic um so, some of the guys on the galaxy weren't very good who uh like dos santos you know we, we do the uh charity tournaments i used to go out for and you know, the guys who've never played before, you know, come out in sneakers and untucked shirts and all that stuff and swing around. Uh, the best, uh, Gordon Kleschen, um, Sasha's brother, he played in the league for a while. He's an executive now at uh, the LA Galaxy. He's probably the best. Played with Joe Max Moore a few times. He's he's really good. Um, ex-goalkeeper Zach Wells, he played uh, for the Metro Stars. And a bunch of other teams. He's really good too. That, that was kind of my group. And you know, since COVID hit, we haven't really played that much. But um, before COVID, we were we were playing all the time. Right. So you talked about you know you played for the Galaxy, you played for DC. Uh, but technically, if we're going by like the technical MLS rules, you were never rostered by any of these teams, and it's because your time in the MLS was as a pool goalkeeper. So can you just explain real quick what that is and, you know, and its history? Yeah, back in the day, um, it was, this was, well, they, they had it forever, but I started in 2004. Um, teams only carried two goalies and they didn't have, you know, second teams like they do now or, you know, three, sometimes four goalies on a roster. And um, you'd sign with the league. And then if a goalie got hurt, they'd send you anywhere wherever you know you could be in Colorado you get to call okay you got to go to Colorado but what you do is you train with a team uh the whole like you stay with the team the whole year so like with my year I was with uh my rookie year I was with DC United 
and then got called uh, to do, there were the Metro Stars, now Red Bulls. So that was my two years. And then after I went back to DC and then <laughs> being West Coast, I, uh, I was with the Galaxy and Chivas USA training all the time. Mm. And so you, you weren't on rosters, but you got, you paid and you, you know, got good training every day. And so that was, uh, that was, it's, it's gone now, obviously, because of, you know, how many, I think every MLS team has a second team now, which is amazing for the league and, you know, the youth development. So, you know, if a goalie gets hurt or whatever, you know, you could fill it in and then even bring up the under 19 guys to train with the first teams and stuff like that. So it, it was pretty, you know, crazy to think about it now, whether like how far we've come, but it was, it was, it was fun. Like, uh, got called Colorado, Texas, I got uh, Dallas, I, you know, pretty much every team I've, I've almost trained with mm-hmm. in the MLS. So yeah. as a goalie, you know, you're like this, the concept of this goal of a goalkeeper is like someone who, you know, is a number one and he's like the guy that's in, in between the six and, you know, you need a lot of confidence and ego to play goalkeeper. Did that have uh, did being a pool goalie have that effect on you in, in your mentality? Um, I'd, I'd say a little bit. I was, you know, I was young. I didn't play in college. So I went straight from uh, high school to IMG Academy for a year. And then I got picked up out of IMG. So I was kind of a older, bigger guy at IMG. So I kind of had the attitude. And then the, the pro teams came in and I would always, you know, train with, you know, it'd be South American teams would come do their spring training there. MLS, all, all, all the East Coast uh, MLS teams did. So it um, it made me feel like I could, I belonged, you know, and I just needed my shot. And I, you know, I had some bad luck. I had some good luck, you know, and I could have been smarter training wise when I was younger, worked a little harder. I, I you know, now that I'm older, I'm 36. I, uh, looking back things you could have done a little differently, taken a little more serious, not just rely on your talent because when you get up, you know, when you're training with them, everybody's that good, you know? So it was, uh, it was fun. It was crazy though, back, back in the day, because you go and sometimes you'd feel, or the, the quality wasn't that great, especially if like international break were going or stuff like that. So the players, would be like, uh, I had a coach tell me once, he was like, it was my first practice uh, with the team. He's like, yeah, sorry, most of our guys are off. It's like a, a good college team right now. And I just thought that was crazy. You know, like he goes, yeah, our quality is as, as a competitive college team. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is, I can, I belong then, you know, and it, with being a goalie mentality is, is everything, you know, it's, if you think they're going to score on you, they're going to score on you, you know, and I remember, God, I forget who it was. Um, it was somebody who said I uh, blocked a penalty in practice and it was a big, it might've been Jaime Moreno with DC or somebody like that. He's like, well, if you can block this, you can block a shot from anybody in the world. And I was like, oh, all right, oh, there we go. Like world cup, you know, an international star, you know, South America, Bolivian star at the time was telling me that I was like, Oh, that kind of clicked. And when you're playing against these guys every day and you're like, Oh yeah, I've seen these guys growing up on, Oh, it was Ernie Stewart. That's who it was. who told me that. Mm-hmm. Um, he, you know, he's, I think, runs U.S. soccer now, but um, he, he told me, that, yeah, if you, if you can block a shot against me, you can block a shot against anybody in the world. And that kind of went, you know, 19, 20 years old, kind of changed my mindset. I was like, all right, I belong here. This, this is pretty sweet. 
So yeah, it's 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 big mental game for for goalies for sure. The whole sport in itself is a confidence oriented sport. Most people, you know, you go train and you know, you, you obviously you train your ability, but when it comes to the game time, like and you know, match day, you rely on your confidence in order to play in the way you should be playing. As a young goalkeeper, when did you like, you know, have your moment beside uh, not obviously in training, but like in a match where you were like, wow, like I deserve to be here, or like I've had you have those, those confidence boosts. Uh, it was probably youth, you know, the ODP levels being uh, picked up for ODP was was big. Like, you know, Southern California is a soccer factory. Like some of the guys, you know, half the MLS probably back then was from Southern California, you know. So we, I grew up with these guys and you'd, you know, we'd, I'd get called up to national team camps, the under 17s, um, under 14s. And, you know, you see these guys from all over. I'm like, oh, the guys I play with back at home are just as good. And I think, you know, with me was winning Surf Cup. I don't know if you know what Surf Cup is. It's one of the biggest youth tournaments in, I, uh, in the, I think I've heard in of the it. country. It's out of San Diego. And they would like the Japanese youth national, like under 15 team would go. And like, they'd have like crazy film crews following them and stuff. And we we'd beat them, you know, and stuff like that. We're like, okay, these are the best in their country. This is my local club team that's, you know, really, really good but you know we we can compete with the best as kind of the mentality we grew up with and then sometimes we play against the uh european teams or south america and they just destroy us but um back back in the day i think that's what it was when we you know played an international team and, and won and that, that's kind of what, like the, what kick-started it yeah you mentioned you know a couple times now about the the disparity in level between you know here soccer here and you know, football across the world, right? And just, can you touch touch on that disparity, like the, the, the difference a little more and what it was like yeah. as an American player? Well, as an American player, we, I, you know, we're spoiled with all the sports we have available here. You know, like the best athletes don't, you know, only play soccer in America. They play football, they play basketball, baseball. And so it's, it thins out our pool, even though we have a lot more people, you're not growing up where soccer's life. You know, I, it, I went down, I was under 15s and 99 to Bolivia to play in a tournament with the United States. We were there for a month just to see, you know, their mentality of eat, sleep, breathe soccer just wasn't here, you know, and um, growing up soccer, like I said, I'm 36, wasn't on TV. It um, it was only on the uh, Spanish networks. So, I, you know, I'd watch, you know, Mexican league soccer, not knowing what they were saying back then, but that was the only soccer I, I could watch on TV until, you know, got a little older. And then they started doing, you know, a little more international games. And then now, like, you can see it. You can see the quality of the European leagues on TV pretty much every single day now in America. And growing up, we didn't have that. And so it was kind of, it was new to us to see, you know, these, you know, the basic, God, I think until 16 teams played, you know, with sweepers, you know, like that's, yeah. that's how we, that, you know, and like seeing a, a flat line playing any game was just, it blew our minds, you know, and there was mm-hmm. stuff like that. But um, I spent some time in Holland when I was, I spent my 16th birthday there and I was um, with, I played with uh, with the IX Youth Academy, 
and that's one of the best academies in the world yeah. for, for youth. And I, I spent a year there and it just, it changed my mind. It changed, blew my mind on, you know, the development here where it's sappy to say, but like in Southern California, if we had a British coach, even though he was trash, he was like, oh, this guy's British. He has to know soccer. He has to be the best coach. And so, you know, seeing like real professional coaching and just the, I keep going back to the mentality, the mentality of these players was, it just, it, yeah, I had to grow up fast. You know, I had to, I had to really grow up fast. And then I had a quick, funny story for you. I was uh, training with NEC Nijmegen in Holland. Uh, it's a mid-level uh, first division team. I was with their, I think it was their under 20s or 23. I forget what it was, but I was 16. And uh, all the guys after, after training, it was rainy and muddy. They all go in and showered. And then I just stood outside all muddy and rainy because, you know, in America, you don't have that. You didn't have those uh, facilities at the time. So if you train, you got in your car, your parents' car and drove home. And the coach pulled me to the side. He's like, what, why aren't you uh, showering with the team? I was like, I don't know. I don't want to shower. And he goes, no. He goes, no, you, uh, it's, it's team bonding. It's all the guys, you know, in the locker yeah. room hanging out. Doing, and it's different now. But, you know, back growing up, we didn't have that. You know, and so it was just it just to see the, the difference of it. It was was, you know, I had to grow up fast. Yeah, totally. And you have guys like Eddie Johnson, like Tim Howard. Those guys are advocating and screaming out that the youth development here sucks, for lack of a better word, compared to, you know, across the pond and elsewhere. Is there credit? Is there space to give credit where credit is due like is it better compared to what it was like what's your what's your assessment of it oh i think it's you know 100 percent better than it was even 10 years ago because you know with these youth teams now and they're partnering with these big clubs and you know uh the slammers is uh our local team that was my first club team uh was the uh newport beach slammers they're really big uh, big girls club right now too they just partnered with a european club you know, these, that would never happen back in the day because they see the development is better now in America. Right. That, that you know, it, it's worth taking the risk. And you see, you know, the, the youth guys now, the Barcelona guys for, you know, those guys went over young and they had to get there somehow. Mm-hmm. You know, they had to be developed enough to get there somehow because, you know, Americans were one of the most, or it's not the most athletic country in the world, you know, per, per capita, per player. Um, so now that you take the athleticism of our young players and and teach them the right way to even be a professional or or uh, develop into what an international soccer player should be, mm-hmm. and it's pretty it's pretty cool now to to see that. But like back in the day, we had none of that. Like it was I had a, the only reason I got to go to Holland was went over with the national team and I played really well and got invited back. You know, that was the only, they had, they would have no way to scout me or know who I am unless I was on that one team. There wasn't many teams going over there like there are now. And so it was, yeah, it was, it was crazy to see, but I think, you know, the, the, the development, it's getting there. You know, you're seeing some of some of our players play in the best leagues, winning championships, you know, like that would be crazy. Like, um, you know, uh, Joe Maxmore is a, a buddy of mine, and he would tell me stories when he played in Everton in, in the Premier League. Like, it was just so different than what it is now and how rare it was for an American to be over there. And, you know, 
15, 20 years ago, there was maybe four, five Americans playing in the Premier League or playing overseas. Yeah. And now, you know, you it's you, you got to go there, you know, you, if you want to take that next step. But again, I think what the MLS is doing is great. And their partnerships, you know, with New York FC and um, Man City and stuff like that, the feeders and FC Dallas with their um, uh, partnerships with the foreign clubs is great. And I, I think the U.S. is is getting there. Christian Pulisic is definitely the guy I think you're folk you're talking about without saying his name. But yeah. for, to him to see, to, for you to see him win a Champions League with with a club like Chelsea, from you know when you were like put yourself in the shoes of you know little Will Johnson years and years ago, if you saw that, do you think that would have changed your training? And, um, you mentioned how you wish you trained better and you wish you. Yeah, I relied on my talent, you know, my talent when I was young, but uh, a little bit, the thing with Christian though, the thing that gave me goosebumps and uh, like, I'll be honest, when I was done with soccer, I was burned out. So I didn't really follow it for a little bit. I took some time off and, you know, took up golf. I didn't really follow it on TV, but um, in the last year or so, I've really gotten back in, you know, into enjoying watching games and, you know, the tactics that they're doing, but to see him wear that U.S. sweater after with the trophy, that iconic for youth, youth players, like it, it's possible for them to do it. And, you know, it, it, it was a really proud moment, I think, for all uh, American soccer players. Yeah, I've been following him since I, since I was 16 and he was 17. So this okay. is five years ago. And, you know, I, I pointed him out. I said, wow, this kid is really good. And he's he's going to do big things. I just don't know when. And for him yeah. to do it at 22, and he's not, you know, putting the flag on the back of his shoulders. He's, he's wearing the sweatshirt with the crest on it. And it shows yeah. the, that, you know, people were talking about that, how it's usually they carry the flag, but this time he's wearing the crest. And that means more to someone like me who's like, oh, man, you know, he's wanting to represent something that's not just the country, but like the, the state of youth soccer in America. And you're right to see him wear that crest is, amazing and it's uh if i wasn't a, a city fan i would have been sh- jumping for joy the whole game but you know that I, it was still awesome and like you know i've been waiting for that moment for a while so you're right it's yeah. amazing it's it's really it was a really proud moment for u.s soccer and what he did was you know class to show like this is u.s so this is my team because i felt you know with us not making the last world cup and the disappointments of our national team we had the talent but there wasn't I don't think there was enough challenge for the guys who were the staples on the national team. You know, you weren't, you didn't have to perform week in and week out. And I think Klinsman kind of started changing that a little bit. And, but you know, the guys who are there every single game for the national team, I, I felt like there wasn't enough, you know, competition for them. They were guaranteed that you're going to be on that, that, um, national team roster and i think now with how many young players there are and it's it's kind of cool to me when i see their national team roster now and i'm like i don't know who half these guys are this is awesome you know like they must be good enough because i i've, I've never heard of these guys but they're doing something right you know mm-hmm. so it's it's cool to see how many uh just international level players we're developing right now yeah it's awesome especially because you know some of them aren't weren't born in America, they're doing nationalities and they're coming here, like, you know, Sergio Dest, I'm sure you've heard of him, Barcelona. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's amazing. I just wish he actually played defense for once. Uh, but, yeah. um, you know, Yunus Musa, uh, 
there's so much, so much talent. And I think I touched it on it a second ago, but like their age is what really strikes me is, you know, these guys can easily just be, you know, at college, just doing, doing the same thing that I'm doing, like, you know, just again, trying to get by school, but they're playing at the highest level in the world's biggest game. Like it's amazing. And they're representing like people like us. So it's really cool to see them do that and yeah. win trophies too. Yeah, no, it's, it's, I think U.S. soccer is in a good state right now. Of course, things can always get better. I think, you know, the money I think is, is there now where they could put, you know, they could start developing these people, especially if they saw a lot of the young kids, you know, Um, you can reinvest that money into the community and, and, and into it. But I, I, I really do think U.S. soccer is in a, in a, good state right now you know and then you people bring up the olympics not qualifying for this last olympics that's a double-edged sword because our best young players weren't allowed to play in those games yeah you know kurt they were in their league and and you know the clubs aren't going to release them to do it It, you know should we have better young players of course but i i don't i don't think it was it's it it obviously sucks that you know they're not going to be able to compete in the olympics on that stage but i think that it's not that big of a blow as what people are making it out seem seem to be. Yeah, I, I think that that twenty three man roster that I would have, you know, if they did make the Olympics, would not have been the same roster that was on the field when they didn't qualify for that. So uh, they would have been similar, but it wouldn't definitely would not be in the same. I do want to move yeah. on though to yeah. to Christian from Christian to somebody who is I compare to, but not exactly the same, and it's kind of how we met. I want to talk about Freddie because yeah. talk Freddie you do. So you look at Christian and you look at the way that he, you know, got to Chelsea and got to where he is now. And then you yeah. take a look at Freddie who was a professional player at 14 years old in America, played for DC United. You played with Freddie. Yeah. And it's to me, at least it's sad because I felt like his career was robbed by MLS uh yes and no you know full disclosure I'm, I'm really good friends with Freddie still to this day you know I once we talked I reached out to him I hadn't heard from him in, in about a year but he's yeah the, how I met him was we uh were both at IMG together and um I just he was 14 and he was the star and I don't know if you remember Danny Zatella he was a, they said he was more marketable than he was an American player. They said he's more marketable at the time than Cristiano Ronaldo. And he was another story that he played in the league for a while. I think he's still playing in the lower leagues, but they, those two guys kind of ran the IMG uh, campus when I was there and I became friends with Freddie. And then we both wound up at, and I met his mom a bunch of times. And then uh, when I went up to DC, you know, he was the youngest, I was, I think, the second youngest or one of the youngest guys up there and you know freddie's mom trusted me to keep an eye on him <laughs> so we uh we hung out quite a bit and um he the league put too much on him too young you know everybody that's kind of common knowledge now you know that he was this this savior of soccer and it was good marketing that you know they sold out a lot of stadiums he was all over tv he i don't think dc was the best team for him to join i know it was his hometown team it was a team full of veterans that just were there were fights of practice all the time that you know freddie was 
Freddie, you know, so it's, it's hard for me to not be biased about it, but I think his career would have been different if he either didn't go to the MLS at first, you know, trained somewhere else, a young developed second team type thing, or he was on a different MLS team because he had to put his guard up against the veterans and he, you know, he was 14 years old. What are you doing at 14 years old? Where you had, you know, the likes of um, Ernie Stewart on that team and Dima Kovalenko and these like legends of the game, Jaime Moreno again, um, these legends of the game for, you know, us growing up and then have to deal with this kid. I really, you know, I felt bad for him. You know, like, don't get me wrong. He made a lot of money. He had a lot of fun. He wasn't perfect by any means, but he had to have his guard up. I think a lot and couldn't let it down and had the pressure and had to be that celebrity and had to do all that stuff without any guidance from anybody, you know, and the people he did have, uh, I thought were great people, you know, I just, it was, it was, I think a no win situation for him at that time. Yeah. I mean, if you just look at it from a broader point, he's 14 years old, you throw him in there with professionals and what do you expect him to do like he's just a kid you know he's just yeah. a 14 year old kid at 14 years old I, w- I came home and played xbox and you know with dota soccer practice obviously but like i was just in you know a, i wasn't playing professional games making money i had an endorsement from nike like and that's a lot to throw on a 14 year old whose brain isn't even developed yet it potentially hadn't even hit puberty yet it's a lot yeah. no 100 percent. and he didn't have the most welcoming locker room for sure you know, my first locker room experience was with DC and they were, and Peter Novak, the coach was, he was crazy, man. He was, he was an intense coach. Um, I think I told this story. He would, he would sometimes wear shin guards as the head coach when we'd practice and he would like two foot tackle like players on the team. And they'd be like, what are you doing? Like, it was just, it was an intense team to be a part of. And he, um, he didn't, I think he needed to be nurtured a little bit more because he was thrown into the wolves these guys, you know, want to say, Hey, I've been in this league, you know, for, you know, 10 years and all this, all of a sudden this kid's making more money in one year than I have in the last five years, you know? And so there, there's a lot of animosity towards him, but I, uh, I just feel, I feel like if he was in a different circumstance, he would have, he would have been a lot, a lot better. Freddie was marketed as like, the, you know, the like you said, the U S savior of soccer to an extent, if if the circumstances were correct, you know, obviously it's hard to play hindsight twenty. It's easy to play hindsight twenty twenty, and oh, this could have happened, this could have happened. But his talent alone, when you saw him play, what yeah, did you was, think that that was, was possible? Yeah, he was that good. He he was that good. He would tear up training sessions. He would he would make the guys look like fools in training sessions, and just he was a star. You know, like he would make people. He'd play around with them. He'd just how his vision with the ball was unreal and so I yeah I think the talent was there and then Peter not playing him at first or putting him in position he didn't want to be in and it it just I they could have coached him to to take to appreciate his talent more I think is what you know, they should have done instead of saying, nope, you can't do this. This is what position you're going to play. Deal with it. If you're not going to do what I say, you're going to be on the bench. When you put so much pressure on a kid and then not have him in a position he's comfortable playing, 
even though it might be the right position, you got to nurture that a little bit. It's not a grown man who's like, all right, well, if you don't do this, you're not going to feed your family right now. You know, like you have to do what I say or do this. Like he got, he had it both ways. He had it where, you know, if you don't do this, but we need you to do this to be on TV today and sign all these autographs and do all this stuff. But um, I, I just think that the talent was there. Like he, he, you, he was a special, special player. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the Pele commercial? They talked about it in the Grant Wall podcast mm-hmm. to do with him. When you saw yeah. that, what was your reaction? Do you remember? Well, well I knew about it before uh, watching it. I, I thought it was cool. Kind of weird him carrying him. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I was like, that. It, it was great for the game for, you know, to, to it, all the eyeballs on TV. You know, and people tuned in. It was it was exposure to the game. So I, mm-hmm. in that aspect, the marketing I thought was great, but how they handled him while forcing you know the media was was just not handled correctly. Right, and you can you know we can point blame to to you know Freddie to Novak to you know the MLS. I personally think it's more the MLS's fault, but that's just you know if we were to point, but. I think the MLS has learned a lot of lessons since Freddie Adu, and I think U.S. soccer as well. I, as we mentioned to start with Christian, how do you think the league has grown, and in what ways for the better and for the worse? Um, I'm for the worse. I, I'm worried that they're adding too many teams too quick. Mm-hmm. That's um, what they. But because with the NA, uh, the old Cosmos League. What they did was they went from, was it like 10 teams to like 30? And they didn't have the players to have the quality. So it was like mm-hmm. pretty much, oh, if you if you played high school soccer, maybe college, you could probably make this professional team. That's how desperate they were for players. And this is back in the 70s and 80s. Um, I, that's something I'm worried about. I'm worried, or not, it's a double, another, you know, double-edged sword where you have, the good youth players that need to go to Europe to develop, but you're taking them away from the MLS. So that's, you know, that's hard to, to navigate, I think. Um, but I just think the stadium, the positives, the stadiums are unbelievable now. Mm-hmm. Like when I, when we were at DC, we played at the old RFK stadium where the um, uh, Redskins used to play. And it was this big empty hunk of junk stadium. And, you know, you'd have if you had you know 20,000 fans in it um it looked empty you know but now if you you know you got um all these soccer specific stadiums that just make the atmosphere make people want to come the eyes and stuff like that so that's that's a positive and you know the tv contracts it's on tv now us doing well in the CONCACAF uh Champions League games you know all that kind of stuff it's it's really exciting to see yeah it is and honestly like People say the MLS is a retirement league or, you know, it's a league where there's a bunch of American players who probably won't play for the national team. It's a lot It's a lot of, like, you know, negativity towards the MLS. But in reality, like, you turn on a game, you're probably getting an exciting game, like, here or there. I think it's very, very marketable, and I'm just, I'm just as glad as you are that it's actually on TV now more. Yeah, I never thought it was, you know, well, I never thought – it being a retirement league was really that bad of an idea because you get the older guys that are going to teach the younger guys how to be pros. They're going to learn from their experience and you're going to get, you're going to get on 
um, TV. You're going to get eyes watching. You're going to get, you know, Steven Gerrard's fans, Beckham's fans, Zlatan's fans, you know, you're going to tune into these games. Yeah. And the young guys, the development guys, they get to see how, you know, their heroes, because, you know, you don't realize it, that like, your hero soccer player when you're a young kid is not that much older than you, mm-hmm. you know? So you, you think of them as like, oh my God, they're, you know, 20 years older than me. It's like, oh no, he's only 30, like 32, 33, and I'm 22, you know, or 20. So it, you, it, a lot of players don't realize that, that they're not that much older than you, but they can teach and they've um, accomplished so much stuff that they can teach you, you know, stuff that you can't learn from somebody who hasn't experienced it. So right. the intangibles. Yeah, exactly. The intangibles. And I, like I said, I never thought it was a bad thing. Uh, you know, having the, the players come here, you know, sometimes they shouldn't be paid, you know, the DP um, money maybe, but they're, they're here, they're bringing eyes. And, you know, I, I think it does more good than harm. Yeah. I never really, I don't know how I feel about the designated player. It seems a little weird to me because you're like prioritizing the wrong things, you know? Well, that's when you kind of know the league is has made it when they can afford to put um pay the players without that you know without taking the salary cap hit that's when you kind of know when the league is you know as a respected top you know five six league in the world is when that's gone because it is kind of weird um there's a player in new york who the guys didn't like and he was a dp and like terrible and they you know guys would complain about in the locker room and you know, I, it, yeah, it's, it could cause some rifts, I definitely between, you know, the players, but it is what it is until they get rid of it, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of getting rid of things, do you think they're going to get rid of the closed league eventually? I don't see that happening anytime soon. Unless, really? unless yeah. Um, unless you got enough teams, you know. I, I just I don't I don't see it happening. I've I thought of this idea of why don't they just have like make once they hit forty MLS teams, just make them all compete in one season. The bottom twenty teams go to the second go to the second league, and the top twenty teams go to the first league. And that's you know that's the two divisions you go up and down for, and then after that it's non-league. That's that's my idea to fix it, but I mean it could be years, you know. Yeah, I just the money's got to be there. Yeah, you know, and if you in Europe, you know, you you go down a division, you lose a ton of money, but you still have your loyal fan base. The American fan, I think, is to have too many options, too many sports to watch, too many stuff. So, you know, the galaxy drops down. You lose your galaxy fans. You lose your attendance. You lose all that stuff. And I, I just think financially, it's not there. And another thing with the league is though, like playoffs. You know, yeah. like no other leagues really have that. So that's something that it, it might happen one day, but I don't see it anytime soon. Hmm. Who is your favorite MLS player right now? Uh, I don't know. Well, the older vet, Guzan, goalie. He's one really? of my favorite players. Yeah, I just like him. I like his leadership. I trained with him at, uh, when he was at Chivas and to see his development because when he got there, he wasn't the best goalie by far. 
and you know to see him rise up the national team and mm-hmm. and do that um yeah in between his in between howard tim howard's career and you know zach stefan's budding career now guzan kind of he took the reign as the guy between the six for the u.s and he did a pretty good job i i liked watching him i liked him in goal and he plays for new england now right i think no yeah, atlanta Wasn't atlanta. atlanta he plays for atlanta yeah, yeah. and uh-huh. he's a he's a beast yeah, he, he is. Um, other players, I like Galaxy. I like the way the Galaxy look right now. Um, you know, I, I it's I'm born to hate you know the Mexican national team, but um, I retail. like what yeah I like what they're doing over there. Um, oh, actually, since since you brought it up, Chicharito, when he came to the Galaxy last year, he scored two goals all season. And he got all this hate. And, you know, the guy had a really bad year. He was going through a lot of stuff, talked about his mental health as well. And then to see him come back this year and just bang any goals. And like, just like he used to at Manchester United, you know, I used to, you watch the Galaxy, how it must be, like you said, it must be painful because, you know, he's, uh, he plays for Mexico. And, you know, even though he's probably won't play for Mexico ever again for yeah. stupid reasons. But uh, just like, what do you think of him as a player? And him for galaxy, uh, he's good. Like I said, it's in my DNA that I can't, you know, really like him. But um, <laughs> that was that. That was something funny about the locker rooms where, you know, you'd have international players who you just like hated, like couldn't stand, and then you 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 meet them and talk to them, and they're like the nicest guys, giving you hugs, you know, playing with you. And I'm like, no, I'm supposed to hate you. I rooted <laughs> against you like growing up my whole life, and like when they're really nice people, you're just like, this is so weird. It's such a it's messing with my mind, man. But uh, I, I, I'm sure Chicharito is the nicest guy ever when you go and yeah. meet him. But um, to you know, if when he's wearing the green, and that's not good for anybody. So yeah, no, Dos Santos as well. Yeah, so there's Giovanni Dos Santos too. Um, I know we talked about Galaxy before. Um, you know, not on the pod, but how how do they do things, and where do they? rank among MLS teams in terms of like the way that they run their club well you know lately not or last year not so much but with them their front office and their, their ownership group has the backing of a um AEG which is one of the biggest uh media conglomerates in the world yeah and so they they have leadership from the top and they've made good decisions and they've made risks to get the big players Okay. You know, and they were one of the first, you know, the um, Home Depot Center, I don't know what it's called now, but like that first facility they had, like kind of set the benchmark for the rest of the league, how to follow, how to start development leagues and, and youth academies and stuff like that. And I, you know, I just think from ownership down, they, they've made some great decisions. Like I said, recent history, not so much, but, um, you know, as a, as a club, uh, I think they're, you know, just first class. Yeah, this is like LAFC, LA Galaxy, El Trafico rivalry now, and you know, you, you like you said, the Galaxy haven't performed up until the beginning of the season, at least to you know where they historically have been. Is there you're out and out in California now? Is that rivalry really real, or is that just media, the media talking it all up? Oh no, it's it's real. You know, it, there it's people talk about you know on sports talk radio and you know, local television, El Trafico and, you know, the fans, 
that you know LAFC I think has done a brilliant job marketing mm. their their product and, and community outreach and you know they're in the heart of Los Angeles right next to USC and so it's they, they really went into their community to get their fans and I think you know the Galaxy fans a lot of LA a lot of Orange County fans um, and and they're pretty far from um, downtown LA or LAX that whole area so it's they're down in Carson so it's that's a little bit south but I think it's uh, I think it's really good for the league and really good for the game and you know I have a lot of friends who coach now um, and one still plays for LAFC and they they love it they just say it's so cool and you know it was really smart marketing bringing in all the celebrity minor minority owners and stuff like that mm. so it was a uh, yeah, it was. It's it's a really cool, cool thing that we got going right now in in Los Angeles soccer. Last question before you transition, I'm gonna hit you with quick fire questions, but I want to hit one more thing. Yeah. So I'm a referee. I've told you this before by trade. I want to know your most memorable re referee interaction during your playing career. I had a couple. I, I talked a lot. I, I chirped a lot. Um, one of them was I, I was diving for a ball and I got the ball clean and uh, Ford came and kicked the ball and like I, I held on to it. He went flying over me and it was just a normal, you know, goalie yeah. type play and I got a PK called against me. And I just, it blew my mind. Like I was just like <laughs> talking to this guy. I was like, I got, I, I've played soccer my whole life. I've, what did I do wrong here? It's like, you had your knee up or something like that. And I was like, I was protecting my, like, what? And that, that was one of the craziest. Um, I, I always, you know, the thing with referees and players are, you don't like, you don't want to yell at the referee or chirp or make him mad because you're not, he's not going to maybe give you that 50 50 call or yeah. give you the benefit of the doubt. So um, uh, a tip for players. I would do is introduce yourself to the referee and, and get to know his name and call by his name on the field. Mm -hmm. It's like, Hey Mike, did you miss that one? Like he, he got me on that one. Like you missed it, you know, stuff like that. Just get to know their name so you can, uh, you know, be on their good side. Yeah. Honestly, I hate when people call me sir or like ref it. I know it's like traditional, but I hate it. Cause like, I would rather you call me by my name. So you know that I'm human rather than, you know, yeah. and then we can discuss things and like, I had games last. I had a, I had uh, two games last night, and I had a coach screaming at me on the sideline because he wanted a second yellow for a girl, and I, I just like, like it's just there's no like I'm human, man, and like I'm I'm gonna, you know, we're all gonna make mistakes and everything, but you it's it just my point is you sound like you were robbed on that <laughs> on that uh, yeah on that kick hundred percent hundred percent, but like you know that that stuff happens, and like for me when I'm officiating it's always an emphasis for me to protect the goalkeepers so and that those kind of plays are dangerous and they're they're 50 yeah, 50s yeah. but they're very dangerous especially for goalies if you don't make the goalie feel like they're protected then they're going to do whatever they can to protect themselves like we did with the sliding knee yeah. if even if it's that's true or not you're trying to protect yourself it's different it's a different breed when it comes yeah, to goalies and, yeah yeah, goalies are lunatics, man. Like, they're, I got a quick good story for you. Um, no. Kevin Hartman, uh, Galaxy legend goalie, he's their goalie coach now. When I was 15 or 16, I got invited to train with the Galaxy's first team, or it was our only team, um, up at the Rose Bowl. 
And that's when Mary's Galaxy used to play at the Rose Bowl. And I, uh, I, was, I was like, oh, can I like looked up and told him that he's in the middle of the field running, doing two foot tackles and like landing on his butt with no one around him. And he's like running and then jumps and like two foot tackle. Uh, and I'm, I go to the coach, I'm like, what, what is he doing? He goes, oh, he's just pretending it's forwards legs. And I'm just like, <laughs> oh my God, like this guy's nuts. That is. <laughs> I was just like, and I, you know, I was just like, this guy's off his rocker. Now I'll always have a have a screw loose, but uh, yeah, that was that was pretty pretty eye opening. It goes back to that confidence mentality thing we talked about in the beginning, for sure. Because I've seen a lot of goalies in my yeah. life, and I, the difference between the good and the bad ones are just exactly that. Yeah, you're you're not going to score on me today, and if you do, you're lucky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's 100%. that's what it is. You're not. Yeah, you know, if, if you feel like, oh, they got this big forward that's going to score on me, like, he's so big, he's so strong, he's they're so fast, blah, 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 like, very mentally defeated. Yeah. So, like, no matter what, like, you got to believe in yourself. Yeah. yeah. All right, quick fire questions. Ready? Favorite, most memorable save yep. ever? Uh, memorable save was, um, it was in Brazil. And it was uh, up for me flying shot. And I had no idea. I, I thought it was, uh, I thought I was scored on and I blocked it with my top right hand. Mm. Nice. It was pretty, really against Corinthians in Brazil. Mm. Uh, Messi or Ronaldo? Uh, Messi. Messi, why? Ronaldo scored him. Uh, just the way he plays with the ball, just how it's stuck to us. But Ronaldo's one uh, B for me. Um, I played against both of them. Ronaldo scored on me, um, but yeah, I think Messi is just magical. Mm. But Ronaldo's one one beat him. Is that why he's not number one because he scored on you? <laughs> no, he almost killed me. The ball was bouncing in the six yard box, and I come out to get it, and it just whizzed by my ear. And it, yeah, I like felt the wind go by my ear. I was like, God, thank God that didn't hit me in the face. Oh yeah, that would have. Yeah, <laughs> his hardest heart. Um, favorite soccer team growing up? Uh, Man U. Manchester United. Yeah, favorite Schmeichel one. was my Schmeichel. Schmeichel and Vandersar were my two um, heroes growing up. Is playing goalkeeper the hardest position in sports? No, I, I, it's hard. You. It's. I think you have to be one the hardest training. You know, you have to put the most work in because, you know, you do the field players work and then you do this whole crazy goalkeeping. You know, with your coach during practice. So I think it's, you know, the hardest physically on you, um, in soccer. You know, obviously not football or anything, but hardest in sports. I'd say quarterback for football would probably be the hardest. Okay, gotcha. Is football? My next question is other sports besides soccer that you like. And golf. Uh, yeah, I didn't play golf until I was older. Um, yeah, I played. I played high school football. I was a kicker and punter, though. That that doesn't really count. Um, and yeah, I like all sports. Like I'm, I'm pretty athletic in in, in any sport I play. So I, I just mm-hmm. grew up playing playing every sport. Favorite men's national team player besides Christian? Um, currently. Dest is pretty good. Um, uh, yeah, probably Sergio. Sergio. Uh, yeah, I, like I said, I just wish he played defense. Uh, we're going to yeah. need him to do that. 
Um, it's, ex- it's just exciting to see, though. I know we need him to play yeah. defense, but it's just exciting to see him take the chances and go up and down. And, oh yeah, you know, when he's in the other half, he's he's my one of my favorite players ever. But when he's you know in one on one, I just watched a lot of Barcelona. I'm just worried, very worried about him defensively. So, um, favorite athlete. Uh, uh, Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods. Uh, um, favorite, yeah, favorite athlete. Um, yeah, Tiger Woods. All right, and last one. If you golfed against Michael Jordan, how much money would you bet on yourself to win? Uh, enough enough to make me feel uncomfortable i think that's what the <laughs> golfing joke is is you play for enough to make you feel uncomfortable um i hope yeah i haven't been playing as much the last month or two but uh i don't i don't know if i could take him right now but he's i've heard some stories about him he's he's crazy man at your peak though like like you're the best like you're in your best form golf form, form. Yeah, you're you're playing at your highest, and Michael just says, "I'll pay you any kind of money." Like you place the wager, and we'll go. We'll we'll play eighteen holes. Uh, feel comfortable? Probably a hundred thousand. Interesting. I'm sure That's, Michael would would double that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure Michael yeah. would double that instantly. Uh, I've heard I've heard stories where he's wanted to play for a million dollars and stuff like that. And, has his stories are crazy and i mean it just yeah. goes to show you how a crazy and competitive go people who play golf can be i know like i said to you earlier i just don't understand because you know i understand i appreciate the sport i respect how hard it is i just can't like i'm competitive but i, I don't think i'm that competitive yeah no i hear well, what would michael jordan say because i don't have a gambling problem i have a competition problem yeah last dance that's yeah that's that's him um yeah it's it's fun. It's so funny though. How many soccer players, like, if you look at like pros, you know, on mm-hmm. the MLS, how many of them golf? If you, if you look at their Instagram, it's, it's pretty darn, it's, it's pretty big right now for uh, soccer players. Maybe I got into it. I'm still young, you know, and people have told me that it's a good opportunity to learn something so you can like go on business, like, you know, business, huge networking, huge networking. Yeah. yeah. And when you're, and when you're good at it, people will invite you to these charity golf tournaments where there's a lot of money there, a lot of, you know, influential people that you can, you know, shake hands with and introduce yourself. And if you're good at golf, they, they like taking you out. So that's, mm-hmm. yeah. Maybe that, that'll be my new uh, thing. Back injuries, a lot of back yeah. injuries. Not really. When I came, if I was out of shape, um, I would sometimes my hamstrings would tighten up and that would make my back go but all in all nothing 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 like that we got messed up hands though that's breaking all the fingers and stuff like that so that's that's the only thing that hurts 36 with arthritis in my hands yeah i can imagine um yeah i just never i don't know when i'll get into it but hopefully i will but uh all right well well thank you so much for taking time out of your day to to chat and um, you know, I hope yeah, that course. our our uh, wishes for U.S. soccer to get better will 
will uh, actually come true. I mean, they got the they got the Nations League semifinal this Thursday, so I'm sure you'll have That's that. Exciting, turn, yeah. I'm sure you'll have that turned on and and uh, watching that because mm-hmm. at first competitive action since the coronavirus hit. Yeah, no, it's, yeah. it's excited. I, I I'm excited to watch this team and follow them and see you know what the next ten years looks like for U.S. soccer. I'm really excited about that. Right. Well, thank you, Will. I really appreciate it again you taking the time to out of your day to talk to me. Yeah, of course, man. Yeah, keep it up. Keep this podcast going. And uh, yeah, if you ever need anything, feel free to reach out. Will do. Thank you. I really appreciate it again. All right. All right. All Take right. care. Good man. Bye. Well, Mo, that interview was was awesome. Uh, it was great to hear Will's side of the story, not only through the MLS where the time where not a lot of people watch the MLS, not going to lie. Um, and, and just to see where MLS has gone now. And obviously the story with Freddie Adu was, was phenomenal, but uh, what, what did you really enjoy about the interview that you did with Will? Uh, I like that. I actually got to meet him, you know, face to face, even if it was on zoom because, yeah. you know, him and I, like we talked for two days straight, I said on Instagram. So, you know, I just, I had so many questions and then like, so, you know, actually meeting him and like him talking about, you know, just seeing him as a person. I think that was the coolest part. Um, and, you know, really realizing how much things have changed since two, the two, early 2000s and how yeah, everything evolved. You know, yeah, it's going to get into what we're going to talk about next, but I just think there's a really bright future and that we're on and that everything's on the up and that the people that laid the groundwork before us not before us specifically before the guys here now like yeah the reason why we're here right now why they're there right now so yeah, kudos yeah. To them. like they deserve some big ups yeah i mean what i think the early mls players did and then even into the early 2010s i feel like even the sport wasn't where it was today but you're starting to see some of the bigger names i think coming to the mls obviously the biggest one i think uh uh, Zlatan was pretty big. Uh, you got your Higuain's coming. Um, there's talks that Messi will be here eventually. It's not even. It's not even about just the MLS, man. It's about like the whole soccer structure. Yeah. Oh, I, like, I, I, when, I think when, when Will, Will talked about how he didn't go to college. Like he chose to just go to IMG and then go pro because you know you can do that back in the day if you were if you were, you know, he said, even if you were at least half decent, you would be able to get on a a pro team because it was expanding so much in the old, in the old leagues, at least. So like, it's, it's, it's pretty, it's just the whole soccer structure. And I've lived through it too. So like, I understand like how much it's grown and changed. And I think that is, I, the reason why I'm saying, I was saying this is because I don't, I still don't like the MLS. I still don't like cuts. I don't I don't really like Don Garber too much. He just seems like a slime ball to me, to be honest, but like, I cannot, I just can't root for the MLS. I'm rooting for the whole structure itself, you know, and that's more important to me. And I think that that is, I think that's the, that's what I grasped from my conversation with Will, that everything is getting better. If not, it's as the best it ever was. So, yeah, yeah, I don't disagree. I think uh, I, I'm excited to see where MLS can continue to evolve, continue to get better. Um, but with that, I think it's time to talk some U.S. men's national team, Mo. Uh, USA. USA. You're absolutely USA. Bro, can I say something? I was listening to Mark McKenzie on Orange Slices today and Heath Pierce and they about the Nations League. And they they brought up something really good. Like 
that USA is, is, is three syllables and Mexico, like the chants, they're the same amount of syllables and like they right. sound the same. So like you can hear both of them at the same time. Yeah. Like yeah. you just don't know which one's which. The United States is a, a new chant. Like, or what, what happened to I believe that we will win? Do we just not believe we will win anymore? Like, where is the, why, why was there no I believe that we will win chance after you, that? You know, you know, Mexico is a tough, tough opponent. Always Bro, is. Still, imagine like the boys getting riled up. Like, if I was out there on the field, like, and I'm one of those guys, I'd be like, dude, this is sick. Like, they're, they, they, the crowd believes in us. I think it was because it was not a pro American crowd, but at the same time, like there, there it, were. It, it was loud enough where you can hear him say, oh, "Check USA." Loud. I just, yeah. I, just need to, I'm, I agree with Heath and and Mark. There needs to be a new chant. There needs to be something, something different. If we're yeah. if we're talking new age of soccer in America, new chant, please. Like I'll, I'll, I'll figure it out. And if I have to, like I will. But something different, man. Something different. Yeah, I will say this. Um, we had talked a bit. We we talked a little bit. Um, I know we had talked a little bit how maybe Christian Pulisic, yes, he's the face of this team, but there are so many other great talents. And I think this Nations League showed that tenfold. You had your Weston McKinney, Gio Reyna, both Peace. phenomenal. Peace. Um, but but I think there's one more name that should be put on this list being up there, maybe even bigger than Christian Pulisic. You know who that would be, Mo? If, if are you gonna say Brendan? No, Ethan Horvath, uh, huge, 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 huge. What else is there to say? Let me tell you if you didn't watch this game, now I know I watched this game, Mo, and I know you watched this game. Uh, first off, U.S. first inaugural CONCACAF Nations League champions. Um, Zach, listen, Stephen, hold up, can I cut you off real quick? If you watch this game instead of if you didn't watch this game and said that stupid Logan Paul Floyd Mayweather, <laughs> you are a loser. And I have no shame in saying that because you watch two grown men hug each other instead of your national team playing against the Mexican national team in a, a game for hardware and silverware. And if you're an American sports fan, you should be ashamed of yourself. You're a loser today. You are a loser this week. And if you're not a fan of soccer, you are also a loser this week because you miss. And uh, you know what? It's funny because all the pundits across of all likes were saying that this game was one of the best they've seen in a very long time. I and I said, I scratched my head after the game. I was like, was that the best game I've ever seen? I've seen in a very long time. And I didn't know. And it, it took like all these guys, like I'm watching them and I'm listening to them. They're saying the same thing. I'm like, okay, so I'm not crazy. Like this was no. one of the second games ever. And you decided to watch a stupid hugging fight for no, when there was no winner that was going to be cut. Right. Like what, what were you watching for a knockout? Oh, knockout! Oh, fuck you! Man. I I, th I think what this All game right. reminded me. No, no, no. It's it's perfectly acceptable. I think what this game reminded me of, even though the U.S. didn't win the game that I'm thinking of, it reminded me of the 2014 when uh, U.S. played Belgium. Obviously, you just U.S. didn't come out with the win, but that was probably the best U.S. performance since then. What, I think. What, what they were able to do against Mexico, what John Brooks was able to do against Lozano, I mean, they played really, really good football. And unfortunately, I, I, go I ahead. Think that we didn't watch the same game. I don't think we watched the same game. I think there, I think that there were some really bright spots, you know, yeah. and it didn't when it mattered. 
Yeah. But there was some low, there was some lows. There was some, oh. there was some, like, what am I watching? And like, I, I, I respect that it was a final and I will say this, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to like downgrade this win or anything. It's a huge win, but the U S if you think, if you thought this was an excellent U S performance, it wasn't excellent by far. Like that's what I need like people to realize it was not it's their and best it's performance. Not. I think within the last three years. Yeah. But it was nowhere near like perfect. Nowhere oh, near God. where it needs to be. Oh, God, no, God. but it was to see them play like that. And I, in the, Honestly, technically, they didn't even play that much better. But no, tactically, no. Greg was Greg yes. balanced all the haters. The guys showed up when they needed to, and the the grit that I was I was clapping. I was like, I'm here for this. When Weston and they're all chipping and going at it, I'm I'm here for this. I'm like that. One, was, that's, that's the that's why they won the game. It's that, that grit. I don't think they were technically any better. No, and and the one word that I think of when I think of the U.S. that game was resilient. They go down. Uh, they brought in the super sub for Mexico. He scores on Horvath. Uh, I mean, it was a be- it was a nice goal. Uh, oh yeah, it was Horvath, a nice goal. Horvath got blocked, and and unfortunately he couldn't see the ball coming in because it came in hot. It was a rocket off of his foot. Um, and and I was like, oh no, here comes because we all we all know what the U.S. is usually gonna do in that situation. They put their heads down and. Just roll over. No, no, no. I wouldn't say that. It's never been no. like that. It's, well, it's, 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 I, I think they would get been like not able to up to be like, oh, right. Let's just let's get let's get the next gear. Right. It's yeah. never been let's be able to get it. I don't think the fight goes away. No, the fight, away. the fight has never gone away, but I think they put their heads down a little bit. And I think they just I don't want to say they they deal with it, but I feel like they, they don't have that next gear like you're talking about. But yeah. sure enough, two minutes later. Down on the other end, Weston McKinney's putting it into the back of the net. Yeah. I mean, there was just so much passion that the U.S. Yeah. showed that I think is such a turning point for U.S. soccer. It's just, to me, it was incredible to watch. And then they had to go to extra time. Christian doing what Christian does, puts it top, top bins. Did you see the Almost Friday post? No. No, it's what him, was it's the... him with his shirt off, shushing the crowd. Oh, oh. Now I, I will say, I, I will say this: the amount of trash and stuff thrown on the field was was ridiculous. That there is no room for that in the sport, and I, and I get it. Soccer's passionate, but uh, Gio Reyna got hit in the face. Um, I mean, th- there was even a Mexico player that got hit in the face because people just kept throwing stuff on the field it's crazy i mean it's been happening forever i and know but i i feel like i feel like this this one like boiled over really bad it did but that's it's the rivalry man it's it's what it is and like you know the difference between this and the the, the nba fans you know throwing stuff and you know, doing that dumb stuff the difference is that like that that's just like out of spite and and like you know yeah. like why like you I paid all this money for this ticket you're not playing well like it, it's not because of that like for in soccer it's been happening for so long and oh, it's I, just yeah. more of a passion thing and that's it that's is. what I feel like is the difference you know and you know as much as I hate Gio Reyna getting clocking in the face or Hector Herrera getting clocked you know, yeah. clocked in the side of the head either that wasn't cool either like. And by his own fans, which is dumb, you know. But it, it's it's I, 
I was here. I was here. But basically, what I'm saying is, I was here for it. I was here for it the whole time. I was. Oh, the, I I love the passion. Don't get me wrong. I I just uh, th- th- there's a time and throw a- stuff at him while he's shushing you guys. Yeah, show him what's up, bro. Show him what's up. Well, what do they I, do? throw stuff at you? Throw drink that they 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 paid eight bucks for? Yeah, yeah. That's how he's. That, that's it. That's well, how that was. Him. That was a thing about um, <laughs> all of the players like Reggie Cannon and all of them like telling them yeah keep throwing stuff and then they hit hector herrera in the head and it's like don't you see what happens when you do this type of stuff you hit yeah. your own players bad things happen and like right. i just I, I don't i i think that i forgot that, that happened like after i was like the next day i'm like that was literally the least important thing that happened in that game there were so many uh-huh. more important things that happened in that game besides fans throwing trash i was just i i completely forgot about it i'm like oh yeah Hector Herrera and uh yeah. Renning clocked in the side of the head yeah. with uh old beer bottles or beer can beer cups. And I was like, yeah. oh my god, like what, what that I, happened what, last night. <laughs> that happened at yeah, 12 o'clock yeah. in the morning last night. Yeah, it's it. It's it. Um one thing that I think played a huge role in this game more than anything was VAR though, Mo. Um first off, they took away Mexico's second goal. Offside. Um, which was offside. It was clearly offside. Um I know right. what you're going to say right now. You, you you think that was offside, right? Yeah, no, I think that was outside, but I yeah. think I know what you're getting at. No, I, no I'm, what do you think I'm getting at? I think you're getting at, you're going to tell me that the Mark McKenzie handball was not a handball. No, no, really- no, that was a handball. That was a handball 100%. Oh, okay. All right, we're okay, never mind. Because everyone else has been saying it's not a handball, and I'm just like. Well, he tried to keep it near his body as much as possible. No, but- he didn't. Look. You think it was? In t- you think he did that intentionally? No. Okay. I just you think, think it was just a wrong. I just, wrong think, he, place I just think he's unlucky. Yeah. And like, I agree with you. Look, look it's the same. If, when that handball happened, right? And they blow the way, so they're going to VAR. I'm like, they're giving that. I I knew it instantly. I'm like, they're yeah. giving him handball because I saw it already oh. a couple times. Yeah. And you know, obviously, we're blessed at it with at home. Right. But what the referee is looking for there is where was his hand before the ball was kicked, right? And if you watch it, his hand is there out before the ball is kicked, and the, then the ball hits the hand, right? right? You would say, no, no handball because he didn't play the ball, but his arm was there in, in an unnatural position according right. to you know what, what was the facts, unnatural right. position. And there was no – like he didn't like try to move it out of the way or anything, obviously. He's just unlucky. And it's the reason why I knew instantly it was going to be handball is because it's exactly what happened to Serginho against – Yep. earlier yep. you know er, yep. against um was it switzerland the handball no it wasn't against switzerland they scored two two goals from open play it was the game before that they got called a hand yeah no i think i know what you're talking about you know what i'm talking about the one where yeah. his arm was dangled out beforehand uh, and yeah. everyone was like why is that a handball and i'm like right, well according right, to the right. rules it is a handball now right, so right, 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 like right. yes i, I, I just had to say that because like I love you, Mark. I love you to death. Uh, I, you know, I honestly don't remember like fully if exactly didn't think it was a handball or not, or he thought it was, but that's a handball. And like, yeah. it's just, they're changing the law. I don't know if they're changing that portion of the law, but like, that's There's just what it is. Change. And like, it's unfortunate. And like, yeah. It, and, you know, and the, by the way, the, the penalty on Pulisic, I thought was a penalty. I was going to ask you about that. Did you think it was a penalty? Yeah. I thought it was 100% a penalty because yeah. wait, because, that's that's if I'm there thinking, was no, there was no play for the ball. 
his there was le- a play for the ball, leg. but his leg his leg got hit before the ball got got played. Yes. So how I would how I would interpret that is that the defender went through Christian in order to receive the ball right. before it is a foul. Right. So yes. there was no direct play on the ball. He had to go through Christian using his other leg to get the ball and make right. a, a successful play on it. Therefore, he didn't win the ball legally. So yeah, that no, was I a penalty know. take, right? You could Christian made yes. Christian made the contact, made the space, but the way he the defender played the ball, I don't remember what his name what his name is, but the way the defender played the ball was, was not. It, it wasn't so the penalty kick. And I understand why the referee didn't. What's up? Was it Mourinho or was it? I, I want to say almost Jimenez. It, it was their left side center back. I don't remember exactly who it was, but like that. That's a, it correctly. You know, they made a mistake on the field. That, in my opinion, they made a mistake on the field. I think the referee recognized that and gave the penalty kick. You know, and I, I thought it was. I, I never. I haven't heard anybody say, any pundit say was correct both ways and i'm like it, it was in my opinion it was correct both ways um yeah i thought you know. i thought the referee um i believe it was from he was from jamaica correct yeah he was the star of the show man yeah I, he 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 had a really good match um, he killed it i, th- I thought he, yeah. i thought he was really good i thought the referee was very good and like all this bad calls, bad, bad everything. Like I thought the referee was good. I thought the no. I thought good. I thought he had a really fair match um, yeah. both ways. Hundred percent. Because I think that's not talked about enough. If he didn't give that penalty kick to Mexico, I, I could see I could see fans saying, "Oh, this is one sided." Um, but he obviously saw that there was a, a foul on not not only when Pulisic scored the penalty, but when Mark got the handball in the box. So it was, it was clear to me. And I think the, the entire refereeing crew for that game had a really good game um, for CONCACAF. I thought the, uh, and including VAR too, I think VAR did his job. The one thing I will say though, Will, is I, I thought Hector Herrera should have been thrown out a couple of times. Uh, he was on that uh, just a couple. Times. I think he was. I think he was given a. <laughs> he was given a couple warnings after that first. Uh, first yellow. I'll agree with you on that. Yeah, so I had, think he had three yellows. Like in soccer, it's two strikes, you're out, and and uh, then he, he got he got the baseball, and he didn't get the baseball privilege. He got the he yeah, got four he got yeah. four strikes to get it fourth. Yeah, it so was. Like, it was like, I agree with you. I, I that's the only thing I really thought the referee didn't miss, but yeah. No, I'm happy it didn't go that way because right. because who knows what would have oh, happened. Oh, oh bad, bad, bad thing. Bad like thing. they could have gone down ten men and lost the game. Like I, I don't know. Yes. I don't know what would have happened. Yeah. Like I'm just happy the game went in the way it did. Right. And you know, as a fan, but you know, uh, yeah, as a fan, you just have to be. Yeah. To say the referee did not have a good game is criminal because he did. He was. One, he was the star of the show with all the the antics and everything. Honestly, I liked it. I'm not gonna lie, I thought it was cool. Did you like? Did you like the red? On my blood. Did you like the, I think I think my favorite part of it was when the um, the Mexican head coach. I can't remember his name off the top of my head right now. Uh, when he put his arms that around happened. around the ref, or as they're sitting at the VAR board, he's Look. just walking up nonchalant like it's nothing, no big deal. I I, like, I I was laughing. I'm like, you can't do this. I was hysterically crying because like that, 
if I'm I just <laughs> no, put myself no, in that guy's him. shoes, Tata Martino <laughs> and Greg Borhalter are on my back, right? Trying to figure out if I'm gonna give this penalty kick call and freaking out, right? And then like Tata just comes out of nowhere and goes, Hey buddy, what you looking at? And he goes over his shoulder. And if I'm the, like, and if I'm the referee there, which he did, he did exactly this. I look at him and I go, buddy, you're not one. You're not supposed to be in here right now. That's a yellow card infringement. Two, why is your shoulder? Why is your arm around my shoulder? Right. That's a second yellow card. Some man just pulls out the red card and goes, see you later. Go to go, go home. And, <laughs> I I just love how the the sideline referee was like he didn't do anything to stop him he was just like oh okay yeah he was just like hey buddy and it was yeah. great I I was my buddies who were watching with me they had no idea what happened they they were on their phones oh, at, the, at that moment and I, I was dying and I'm like did you guys just not see that <laughs> he was he just put his what have you ever he literally seen just put his arm soccer game I think the that's just so funny Tata Martino but I and all and all seriousness though. For Mexico, Tata Martino getting thrown out was a huge momentum uh, change. Like, it the momentum a lot for them. You know, yeah. like, when your manager gets thrown out of the game. Do you think they got into uh, Guardado's mind as he was taking that penalty? <laughs> Something got in their mind because. Yeah. yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Your coach is gone. Like, everything, like, like you're just, just more susceptible to, like, all the, this CONCACAF, like, antics, you know? I know, I know. I saw Reggie Cannon giving him the load or whatever, like, or giving him the giving him the mouth. Yeah. And like, uh-huh. look, hey, Ethan Reggie- Horvath, we're, I'm gonna oh. I'm gonna find you on Instagram and send you this podcast, man. E- Ethan, you, you, everyone wants to talk about Christian. Everyone wants to talk about you know Weston. Everyone wants to talk about all the other guys. But the United States national team has always had a good pool of goalkeepers, right? Always guys that are solid, you know, a couple number ones on the occasion, maybe three number ones in the pool, right? And that's always a good thing, right? One, because these guys are going to get better in competitions and in camps and just going against each other, right? But Ethan Horvath, is a, you, you, my man, are something else, bro. You are, you are literally an American hero because for me to sit there and watch this game, right? And I... I, I, like I just said before, I knew that call was that was gonna be a penalty kick from the jump, and as soon as he blew the whistle, he's going to VAR. I knew, and I'm like, yeah. oh man, I'm just and I and not that I was worried that he wasn't gonna save it, but you know, every, I hear stuff that everyone was like, oh, I had a feeling he was gonna save it. I didn't have that feeling, right? I just didn't know. I, I, I didn't I, want to look. I did not know. I didn't. Know. I didn't know. I didn't know. I was like, what? But but and think see, about it this you, way: to see you, Ethan, just like calm and cool and collected yeah. and just like i'm like what i'm like who is this guy like who are you yeah. bro because you are yeah. so like i i don't even know how i i usually know how old i know how old all these guys are he's i don't know how old he is he's 26 bro he's 26. that's unreal and like to see like that in the 120th minute and like additional time this guy makes yeah. the biggest play of in, in u.s soccer in yes. probably four years the right. four years, maybe more. He this guy makes the biggest play, and yes. and you deserve a lot of credit, man. And like, I know you're a humble ass dude, but like, I want to, dude. That is insane. And like, guys like well, guys I, like our age, like we respect the shit out of that. And we like, do. We you're do. a baller, man. And you know, I'm happy that 
you had a good moment like this because you deserve it, man. You're a humble guy. I heard your interview after. You deserve it. You're a cool dude. You, and I'd love to meet you one day. I'd love to meet you one day. That's all well, I have to say. I, I, I think what the crazy thing about him is, is like he plays for Club Bruges. Um, he's the backup they, on Club Bruges. He's, he's the backup. Simone Mo, uh, Monielet plays is their starting goalie for, for Club Bruges. Is it crazy uh, but, to say uh, that he has the chance at the number one? Like, is that is that crazy to say? Well, I think listening um, to uh, Clint Dempsey afterward uh, and the rest of the panel, it was like he'll probably be receiving a couple of phone calls about a transfer to go be a number one somewhere else. I think if he has the playing time, he'll having him and Zach Steffen one two combo. I I, I like that one two combo. Uh, I'm cool in, with it. I, I just, yeah. you know, I don't know. I just don't know how good Ethan is with his feet and like Zach. Right. You know, that's what Greg wants to do. Greg wants to play with his feet out of the back. And I don't know if Ethan can do that. You know, I, I'm full, I'm f- fully confident that if Greg asked him to work on it or, you know, go try to go to a club that does do that so he can work on it more. I think he'd be, I think he should be willing to do that and should be open to that because, you know, this guy makes saves. He makes big saves. And that penalty kick wasn't a great penalty kick. But to have the, to have and they can't say this on 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 ESPN FC and Football Americas, but to have the balls to to go and just like just save that thing, huge right hand and and a it huge game, it's incredible. It's and I'm not saying Zach couldn't have done that, but I haven't seen that from Stefan. So like that gives me like so much faith and confidence. I'm sure it gives him a lot of faith and confidence as well. So that's my little Ethan Horvath rant. Right. I, I mean, it was he. He was absolutely incredible, um, and, and I and I think it's it's awesome to see because uh, he wouldn't have gotten. I, I think he had played. I don't think he played. Uh, did he play in the Switzerland game? I he can't did. remember. He he had okay. three saves in the Switzerland game. He's he, he has shown nothing but he has been given nothing but good performances to this United States men's national team. And then I'm not saying Zach has had, I, I love Zach Stefan. Like I love him to death. Like he, right. He's right. Ball and he is, he's the, our number one right now, but yes, I'm, I want him to be challenged. I want Ethan to push him to the, to the limit. I want Ethan to compete for that spot because Ethan is just as good of a football player as he is, you know? So yeah, yeah, yeah. It, they need to work each other and deserve because we're on the road to 2026, man, because of that. We are on the road to 2026, Mo. But first, let's let's make a pit stop before 2026, and and how about we go to 2022? I, I I'd want us to go to 2022 first. Do we have to stop at the humanitarian crisis that's happening in Qatar? Because I don't want to. I don't want to. That's what I'm saying. I'm not focused on 2022. I hope we qualify. I hope everything. But hope yeah, it's gonna be a good test. But that's not the goal. The goal is 2026. And if they uh, perfect scenario here, 2026, we're in the in the final, and USA dominates the the attendance there, and we walk away with the World Cup on our home turf. Uh, and to be the first country to ever do that, and I think that that's why it should be the goal because I because to just spit back in everyone's faces and be like, we're the first country to win on our home soil the World Cup. And all everyone disrespected U.S. soccer before that, and like you know, did all that. So like, I don't know. Now, now remind me here, Mo. As the home country, you you automatically get the bid in, right? 
Isn't that yes, right? Yes, you automatically get the right. bid. So we're already qualified for 2026. So oh, that's technically. A, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. That's a good start. It is a good start. That shouldn't have, Greg shouldn't ease up on it after, you know, no. off that. No, no, like, no, no, no. Ease up. And I say Greg because I think he's going to be here for a while. I, I really do think Greg Brooks. I, I, I love what, what the Greg boys rally around him. Yeah. yeah. And you can tell, like, you know, the stuff that I like, the stuff that I've been listening to, the things that I like, the stuff that I watch interviews, like, these boys rally behind Greg and, like, you know, the ball, the one. Him and Pep are going to be, Pep is going to be, uh, I need, I need nicknames for these guys. No, I can't get Greg in. <laughs> Just call him coach. All right. So call him coach. Just call him coach. No. Coach. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, no, honestly, uh, coach has got to, he's got to stay because like these guys, they, they rally around him and they, you know, they all came, they, the guys who were doing national, like Eunice and Jorginho, they, Greg recruited them. Like no one else recruited right. them. There was no other coach before that. They had an interim head coach who was there for, you know, I think 17 months or seven months, whatever it was. Yeah. So, and to everyone, all right, I need to say this too. So I'm in a Discord. I've said this, I think, before. I'm in a Discord for this podcast I listen to, Ranks FC. If you, I'm not trying to promote other podcasts, but those guys are phenomenal. Jack Collins, Dean Jones, and Sam Tai. They do an amazing job. Go follow yeah. them for their year. They, they do Euros coverage. They, they're pretty, they're pretty, they're, they're all with it. Yeah, so. Um, Euros coming up, by the way. Yeah, Euros, first game today. I, I very incorrectly predicted that game. Anyways, so oh. very incorrectly. So um, in my Discord, people, you the U.S. fans were like pissed off because they said that Greg is terrible tactically. It's after the Honduras game, and he and you know he can't he can't get it done tactically. Like we needed a bigger, better coach. And I'm like, do you understand where we are? Like this, this is back to what I was saying in the very beginning. We're not. This U.S. team is not where it needs to be right now. Like it's in the beginning stages of something great, right? This is not, right. this is something great, but it's the beginning of something um, like bigger than that. And right now we're just building out the back. And Greg is that guy. He's the guy that's going to bring the boys together, you know, you know, get this lineup figured out, get, have everyone figure out their role in this team. He said that he's right. very honest and upfront with them with, you know, everyone's role in the team. Everyone knows what's up, right? And that's why these guys can all bond because they know their spots in the team. And, you know, as much as a world-class manager would be nice to have, you need someone that's going to build that foundation first, right? Build build the culture. And right. Greg's doing exactly that. This is that process. And, you know, Greg should be going nowhere anytime soon. And I don't care if his brother hired him, man. He's doing great things. And... You know, until otherwise. I mean, tactically during the Mexico game, he was great. That yeah, second half, you know, the first half, they were sluggish. They let up two goals. One got yeah. called back. They were sluggish. They weren't that great. But that second half, man, I saw oh, something. They were different and I'm like, Greg definitely said something to them. He definitely said something like, like we're, you know, we're, we're better. They were better. I thought, I never thought that Mexico was that much better than the United States. I never was like, oh, this one's done and dusted. Oh, and, you know, like, and I was always, I was always like, come on, boys, we got this. Let's get the next one. Let's get the next one. And like, sure enough, they, they got more than Mexico at the end of the night. 
And I think Greg Berhalter had a huge part of that. Bring taking off Serginio for for Timmy, like for Tim Weah, like that was a huge substitution. That brought that put some juice yeah. back in the, in the fire. Uh, what else did he do? I, uh, I know there was on one Tyler Adams. Yeah, yeah, you're Yeah, yeah, that was what I was gonna get. Bring on Tyler Adams. I'm surprised he played. I mean, he probably had no idea the game was gonna go into 120 minutes, but uh, you know, he was he looked ready. Like he he was zooming all over the field. He looked good. Like he he's healthy. I was, I have my suspicions. He looks healthy. Like, and I'm very happy he played against uh, Costa Rica. Like he did. I'm. I'm very, very impressed, but at the same time, not satisfied. And that's my conclusion of, you know, what's happening. And I don't think, I think Greg feels the same way. And that's why I think he should be here because he's very realistic and very, you know, let's build up, you know, I think that's, and at the same time, let's build up a fan base. Like let's build up like United States fan yes. base so that by 2026 yes. in five yes, years, yes, yes, yes. we can sell out these crowds and do everything yeah. like that and get people into the sport. And by that time, Hopefully everything will fall. The chips will fall where they need to fall. We're, we're hopeful with that. Uh, so I think uh, unless you want to talk about the the Nations League a little bit more, I mean, obviously we want it. And that's, and that's, all, I, that's all that matters. That's all that matters. Um, obviously. No, I mean, <laughs> is that all that matters? Uh, no, I mean, what no. Is, it's, a tur- it's a turning point for U.S. soccer. But I think that turning point transitions uh, and will transition into this. It transitioned into that uh, friendly that they just had against Costa Rica, um, where again, U.S. dominated. Oh, they pummeled and, them, and the Medford Maestro. Thank you. Was incredible. Thank you. You're welcome. Look, man, he's 20 years old. Why are you comparing? Why would anyone compare him to Messi? Why would you compare him to Messi? They, no, seriously. <laughs> why? Why? No, why, I know. Why? I know. It's it's criminal. Like, don't do that. I th- I, th- I, th- I think they're talking about the footwork. That's all they're talking about. That's I, all they're talking I, about. I understand that, but still, that's like, all they're talking about. Even talk about him and Messi's in the same breath as Messi. No, no, don't, you can't. Do don't do that to Brendan. Come on, I hate, I hate that. Don't do that, please. I don't even. I've never even met Brendan. I know someone who I know, someone who knows Brendan, and I would tell him to tell Brendan, yo, don't accept this method for Messi shit because it's stupid. Like you're better than that, man. You're, yeah, you're, yeah. Like, you're better. You're better than that to be your name to be dragged in uh, up to someone. Actually, I'm wording this wrong. I just don't want these compared to the greatest player of all time. Right. That's right. basically what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And yeah. I love Brendan. Yeah, I, yeah. I think he's a great player. That's all I'm trying to say. Yeah. No, I get it. Um, he Brendan obviously scored uh, with, which was incredible. Uh, Reggie Cannon got his first U.S. goal, uh, which was also pretty awesome. That Brendan goal was a piss missile. The piss missile, it, it was it was a rocket ship. It was great. I was I came out of nowhere, and I was like, yeah. Dude, he's, he's amazing. He just has a sense for the ball, like Messi." Which, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Reggie uh, Cannon scored. Um, Gio Reyna had another penalty kick. Uh, he scored. Him fighting, with, I, him fighting with Siabachi uh, was hysterical. Because I, I was like, "What did you did you watch the penalty kick?" Like. After a couple times, I, I I unfortunately didn't get a chance to watch any of the Costa Rica U.S. friendly at all. Dude, he he no looked it. He didn't look yeah, at the, he, he didn't look at the ball the whole time. He just that's, looked that's stared not, right stared right into the goalie's soul. This man is eighteen years old. <laughs> this man is eighteen years old. 
and he's yeah. a killer. I'm like, bro, yeah. you just didn't you no looked LeBron that 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 thing, man. Like that, that's impressive. Slide it left. He waited for the goalie to die. It was great. And Geo, Geo's unreal. Geo, I thought Geo was robbed of a player of the tournament. Who I think Weston deserved it. Oh, they Weston. gave it to Weston. Yeah, I think Weston I mean, deserved Weston. it because he had uh, he his performance in the game versus was Mexico incredible. was incredible, incredible. And because he scored, actually, never mind. I take this back. He did score a hat trick in that seven nothing. He thrashing. did. He did. Or was it against Cuba? I thrashed think so. him. Thrashed. I, think so. I think that's why he won Player of the Tournament. But Gio's performance. Seven goals. <laughs> Yeah, Gio's performance in the knockout stages were great. I mean, he was awesome on the ball against Honduras. It was Trin- Trinidad and Tobago, not Cuba. He scored three against Trinidad? Yeah, that was their 7 nothing win in the nation. Yeah. Oh, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Yes. Great. And Trinidad and Tobago just got knocked out of qualifying, so. Right. God bless Hell America. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's... Everyone's... Oh, yeah. Oh, we don't need it. We don't need it to happen again. We don't need it to happen again. It's no, not so... happening again. It's not gonna happen. That 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 indeed. That's is that's not embarrassing. Again, that, this, that... <laughs> like a uh, hunt. That's a fact, and that that just makes me happy. So, I, something worse can happen. Something better can happen. But that yeah. that is not happening again. So, <laughs> we're grateful that it's not gonna happen again. You don't understand how like how relaxed. Really? I am. <laughs> after i saw that i'm like damn it's not gonna happen again thank god it's it's just that's happen. all i'm thinking about it's not gonna happen again it's not gonna happen again <laughs> just remember that yeah literally oh I, I i think what the u.s has done has has been incredible this past week uh what our athletes uh christian pulisic winning the champions league whoop 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 uh, Zach Steffen being there on the team didn't get a chance to come in, um, but Christian got a chance to play, almost scored. Uh, but then for Pulisic to win the Champions League, come back, and then proceed to win the Nations League for the U.S., I, it was just incredible. The entire team performance was incredible. Um, and, and it's it's exciting times to be a U.S. men's national team fan. Look, that picture on the almost Friday or the whatever Friday beers Instagram yeah. account almost Friday. Yeah. yeah. That picture wraps it all up. Basically for years, I've heard nothing but slander and right. bad things upon this team and whether they're right or wrong. I think Christian silence as Christian and the boys silence a lot of people. Yes, they did. They did because the result is impressive. Yes. But like I mentioned before, the way they played in that second half in that environment against that team in that competition when everyone's healthy, I'm like, what is this team not capable of? That's what I'm thinking right now. What what is this team not capable of? And people call me crazy a year ago, two years ago, but I'll put it in my bet now, man. The United States men's national team, they'll be in the final in 2026. Ooh. And honestly, I love that. I'm willing to put I the bet that. now too. They'll win the whole thing. Honestly. Because they could. 
They very well could. They very well could. And because I'm you got to think that, in 2026. Well, think about it I, this way. I can back it up. I can back it all up. I can back, you know, obviously it's just all projection. I can back it all up. And people are going to be like, you're crazy. You know, you're not. No, like, no. You're not that. no. And it, there, there is a serious core here. There is a serious group of guys here with the same mentality as just as much as France on the other end of the pond. And Ooh. France is going through their own international BS right now, you know, with sex tape Benzema and uh, race car Giroud and and uh, what Giroud, Mbappe always gets the ball. I don't know. All that BS. That doesn't happen. In, that's not happening here. That's no, not happening no. in the United States. And I don't care how good you are. I think that performance against Mexico showed how important just that is for yeah. people that have been following this team for a while since since Christian was 17. And, and that's when right. I, that's when we started like full really grasping this team. And it, I think that everyone needs to now just, just shut up and just start watching them and just, just, just ride the wave. I don't even care if you hop on the wave, bro, just hop on the wave. Like, right. Right. That's all. We, that's all. We, that's all I, I've ever wanted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To hop on the wave. So just walk, hop on the wave. Like qualifying is in, in September. Those games are going to be a right. hundred times better than that game you just saw. Hopefully, yes. It, I think it we will be. It's they quit the, the all the shenanigans are going to happen. You're going to see the fights. You're going to see the the scrappiness. You're going to see the boys come out come to play. And I'm I'm really excited for that. And we got Gold Cup, obviously. So right. the bright Definitely. future, 2022 is not the goal for me. I'm excited because, well, first of all, we're not even qualified for that yet. So <laughs> we can talk about that when we actually qualify. But, yeah, you know, 2022 is going to be, if we make it, is going to be a good benchmark for 2026 because that's yeah. what matters the most. That's what yes, matters the most. And I'm not, I don't play for the team, but as a fan, nope. that is what matters to me the most Yeah, because – it's the most attainable thing right now. Absolutely. I, I, I 100% agree. And I think to back up your claim about us winning it in 2026, uh, Messi and Ronaldo probably will not be on their respective teams in, in five years. They're, they're Screw Messi and Ronaldo, man. We have a midfield that can win. We have a midfield I don't disagree. win, win. That's all you need a midfield and a great defense to win and to, to succeed at the national team level. To succeed at the international level, you need a solid defense and robust, good midfielders who do their job and play the way you want them to play, right? And Greg has just exactly that. The def- the defense is not there yet. But that's why I say 2022 is not the goal because by 2026, you know, as much as I love John Brooks, he's as slow as Molasses. John, John's, John's not going to be there in 2026. He's not going to be there in 2026. And Mark, for... And I'm not just saying this because I'm a Mark McKenzie fan, but I will be honest with Mark. I thought he his game against Mexico. He there were a couple of slip ups. Yeah, there but he you know to, to slip up like that. I listen. I listen to Orange Slices to hear how, what his reaction and like how he after he scored after he messed up and in between the celebration and the kickoff he got down knee on two knees and prayed real quick and he was after that. I, he was I phenomenal the rest first. of the way. He was he was fine. He was great. Yeah. He did everything he needed to do. And he did. He know, made a couple of huge stops too. Uh yeah. towards the later end of the game. I mean, there were a couple of stops where it was one on one against McKenzie, and McKenzie was there to stop him. And it was great to see. 
All that is out the window. And and like to see that that's that's maturity growing in front there of your is. eyes. You're just there like, is. whoa. Oh, I think that entire team matured throughout the game. I think we saw it from start to finish. There was a maturity level that just grew. Yeah, throughout the game, course. and I think it showed up. Yeah. And I'm like, I, I'm like, what is this team not capable of? Concacaf, not. It's not going to be easy. But who but who says we're not the best team in Concacaf right now? Who says that exactly? We, who says that we like this? Honestly, Mexico performed better than I thought they would. I I just thought that with Raul, without Raul, they would Raul Jimenez, they would struggle. Yeah. yeah. Um, but they played really well. I mean, they had their own mistakes as well. And I, I, the game could have gone either way. Literally, it, it, it could have gone either way. And that, that's that's why I'm really happy. And I said before, just like, I'm happy the game went the way it went, as much as like right. there's little things, because it literally could have gone either way. And, and, and that that right to be on the other end, the good end of that is so relieving. I don't even know how it's supposed to be a Mexican fan right now because that is so heartbreaking. Yeah. And. I, I think I'm if we so had been on the other end, we would have. If we had been on the other end of that, I'm sure we would have. We would have felt the same way. Uh, yeah, I just I was screaming and I was with, I was literally in my room, my new room. And I, I moved into my house this weekend, so my house at school. So I have a projector in my room, and we're all watching the game. My projector going a crazy, and my my one buddy who lives with me. He's been like, nah, U.S. soccer, bro. They stink. They suck. Like for like a year, and I'm, I, he just does it to, you know, bust my chops. But it still bothers me because I'm very passionate and very arrogant about this team and think they're that good. So it bothers me when people say that. Anyways, so he sat, came and sat and watched the game with me in the second half, and they turned up like we said before in the second half. So and he watched with me until 120 minutes, and I was like, oh my god, like that's pretty. You know, full attention the whole time. It was pretty sick. So, I hope more people will be watching this team. Yeah, I, I, I hope so. And I think, as as U.S. fans, we should be proud. But the job is not done just yet. And I think we'll see that continuing not only through uh, the rest of their friendlies, but through the Gold Cup and through World Cup qualifying. Mo, job not finished. The job is not finished. Do you have anything else you want to talk about real quick before we wrap the episode up? Who you got for the Euros, Will? Ah, the Euros. I'm going to rock with my team, the team that I have rocked with uh, from the start. Before Croatia. they were ranked. Uh, no, not Croatia. Belgium, um, Belgium, 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 Belgium. Yes, before they were ranked number one by FIFA.com. I'm going, with the, I'm going with the Red Devils. Of Belgium. Now I know everyone will say, Oh my god, why aren't you going with France? The true favorites. Uh I like France, I do. Uh, but I like Belgium a lot more. Who do you have, Mo? Are you gonna go with France like everybody else? No. Or are you gonna pick a world card? No. Uh, I'll just give you what I think. I think that France are the favorites to win this tournament. They both yes. think that they are, and on paper they are they should win this they're, tournament. They're, but yeah. the U twenty ones said the same thing about them. They blew it in their first game. So in their first knockout game. So I'm not saying this French team is the same, same, you know, same DNA. They won the World Cup, you know, like so these guys should be the favorites, but uh-huh. I have a feel I have a feeling, man. Yeah. The way that Switch has been this this past couple of years, 
something crazy is going to happen. So, like someone's going to win and we're going to be like, oh, I can't believe they won the Euros. I, I just think this is the year. So it's, it's, it is still Euro 2020. So <laughs> who knows what's going to happen? What, what, what team do you have, Mo? You haven't named the team. I went oh, Belgium. I forgot, you, I forgot you asked me that question. Um, my mind is telling me France. Right. But my gut. Oh, come on. Is telling me. Could be Italy. Italy looks very good. I had them losing today, so I don't want Italy to win. No, they, 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 they're good. They're just weak at left and right back. I think their midfield is solid. I don't know. I think this. I think, I, I would say Spain, but they don't have a, a really good striker. What other teams really are there, man? A, Croatia really is not a good. They don't have a good goalie either. It sounds like the Brighton Hove Albion goalie almost beat out De Gea. I mean, De Gea sucks. So uh, you're not telling me anything. <laughs> What am I lying? De Gea sucks. No. So he got replaced by Gene Henderson. God damn it. All right. So uh, yeah, yeah, he did. Um yeah. I mean the reason why I'm saying he sucks is because he this guy was literally a world class goalie for years. Yes, yes. And then, yes, yes. And then now he he the replaced family. by a 20 year old, whatever, and he's still on the wages. I don't know. I just don't like David De Gea. Anyways, dude, I don't really have a like <sighs> you don't have a favorite? You're just watching it just to watch. Bro, I, I t- I, I'm usually a neutral in like most. I mean, I'm a referee. I'm live to live. The, right. I'm live to live. So, so like, it's it's uh, it's painful. But uh, dude, I I want to pick a team, but like, I don't know who I want. No, I mean, I, it's, it's understandable, though. Because if whatever I say, it was gonna be held against me. So like, I want to be able to. I haven't really thought about that far yet. Uh, the tournament is not that big nope not that many teams bro all right no i have a team i have a team i'll tell you why i got the germans man the germans oh the germans the germans are always very good by the way they're monster very good des deutsches fußball oh Little German on me. I love it. I love it. I'm trying to remember my, my verb tense for German. Shit. I, I took German in high school, so I know German. Okay. But, All I, right. I, but I was really bad with verb. I'm trying to remember my verb conjugation. It's hard. Will win. I don't know how to say that. I'm trying to say that the Germans will win the 2020 Euro- European Cup. <laughs> I look, yeah. maybe. I mean, Timo's coming up. Timo scored a goal, bro. Timo scored a goal hey, the other day. Hey, he scored a free yes, he did. Goal. Yes, he did. If Timo scoring goals, I'm taking Germany. Whoa, I, I, whoa. I'm convincing myself as I'm talking. Whoa. Because, because there, if he's scoring goals. Is, I feel like there's some blasphemy here going against Chelsea Wonderboy goal scorer Timo Werner. And there's no blasphemy against Chelsea players on this podcast. Man. You know that. Come on. Man. You know that. Timo Werner scored a goal, bro. Like that's that's so that's so that's so surprising. Like I don't even care. Bro. That is, that, that, I saw that and I'm like, wow, am I dreaming? He scored a goal. I was so happy for him. And I'm and I I'm really remembering this now. Like I can't believe he scored a freaking goal. Like oh, and, and and I just that the Germans always find a way to win. Like it's just the yes, German yes. way. And like yes. against a team like France who are struggling. Team chemistry wise, we talked about this earlier. A, a Portuguese team who really don't have a way. Like these are the yeah, these are the yeah. these are the bookies. These are who the bookies have. The Portuguese they don't really have a style. They just chuck it to Ronaldo, no. and he's yeah. thirty six. Like 
he's going to, I think he's going to have like a LeBron moment this year, potentially, and just like poop out. You know, I don't know. He could. And he could. I, the, who, Italy, Italy, Italy's defense is old and crusty. So like eventually they'll, you know, get worn down. Belgium. Belgium's can, a little can Belgium defend the counterattack? Yeah. Can Aiden Hazard play to the potential he needs to play? Can they get KDB back on the field? Yes. Will it be too late by then because they are in the group of death? I don't know. They are in the group of death. I will agree with that. So is it too late? Is it too, is it not? Is it who do they play that first game? Hungary? I think so. They got to slam Hungary. They have to. Yeah. Yeah. Are you watching that Sixers game, man? No. <laughs> I'm watching no, it too. We're- we're 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 recording the podcast, man. We're not watching Sixers games. We're watching. We're talking. About I have it soccer. on in the background, but oh, the Sixers Lord. suck too, bro. Oh. <laughs> so when Belgium wins the Euros, <laughs> when Belgium win the Euros and and the Sixers win the NBA Finals, I will uh-huh. buy you whatever jersey you want. Ooh, both of those things have to happen. Okay. All right. All right. Or maybe I'll just have you buy a Chelsea jersey and you have to wear it for a year or something. Can it be Christian at least? No. 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 I did not let. I'll give. I'll. I'll I'll give you. Not let it be Jorginho, bro. Oh, it could be Jorginho. Oh, that's a good one to get. That is either or either Jorginho or uh, Kepa. Both just as bad. Hey, no, I'll take a reasonable log. I don't care. That's it. That's All a right. sick last name. I'm cool with that. Uh, no, we'll give you a George. Don't no, just just don't go. George, George is who you will get. You asked for it, and I will give it. Belgium's not going to win the Euros. So, I mean, and oh, okay. Well, when they when they do, and uh, one part of the bet is through. <laughs> You will be. Dude, you will be. If all your teams win their tournaments. Oh, game. baby! Woo! I'd love it. I'd love it. I'd love it. I'd love it. Well, Mo, another another episode done. Another fun time talking with you as always about U.S. soccer, which is always fun. Uh, it's it's fun when they start winning and you can talk about them winning, and you just have a good time. This is the best thing ever, man. A good time. And I need. We need a new chant. We need a new chant. That's my call. We, we do need a new chant so either bring back the i believe that we will win chance or right or we need a new chant like well listeners you i'll heard do it my here. research and figure it out you heard it here mo wants you to come up with a new new uh <laughs> a new slogan for the team well mo thank you for joining me again as always talking our favorite thing u.s soccer with that this has been well i guess we can call it the first new another episode of (laughs) the road to 26 we'll see you next time